Hey, everybody. Welcome back. Today's Tuesday, March 23rd, 2021. I'm Trey Crowder, and that's Mark Ag. What's up, Mark? Nothing, man. I just want to uh, start the show by nominating myself uh, preemptively for a Daily Dumbass for apparently leading our viewers to think of us as a trusted news source. Uh, I got a, a correction from last week. Uh, so... Uh, I got taken to a, a dedicated viewer by the name of Sarah uh, sent me a series of messages correcting me on something. So remember last year, last week we talked about uh, Laura Trump's fake dog charity. Yeah. Um, uh -huh. Okay. So when I said that the the Trumps got banned from from uh, running uh, 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 charities in the state of New York, which is not technically true. What happens is they agreed to dissolve the Trump organization, uh, the Trump charity fund, and they have to negotiate preemptively if the uh, with the attorney general the conditions upon which they could serve on the board of a charity going forward. So they were not banned. I wanted to get that straight. So we're not uh, out here doing Alex Jones shit, apparently. <laughs> Trey, am I frozen or you? Trey's frozen. Okay. Well, got a good show for you guys. Uh, <laughs> Matt, I want you to know this guy. This isn't on him, guys. Trey, if you can hear me, I guess leave and come back in. Uh, so, yeah, we got a good show for you guys. We're got uh, going to talk about immigration. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, I don't know. I'm not good at filibustering. Um, let me text Trey real quick. Good television. Um, <laughs> I guess we'll start with the daily dumbasses. I'm going solo, guys. I'm doing it uh, Colin Cowherd style. Uh, Trey says, a literal fucking explosion just happened and my power went out. If y'all are still going, try and kill time. If not, tell me I'm trying to get back on. <laughs> uh, this is amazing. So Trey's internet's been out off and on for three days. And apparently something blew up and a transformer blew up in his neighborhood. And he's got no electricity, which is why his face froze. So we'll start... I guess uh, let's go ahead and do the daily dumbass. We'll do it solo, Matt. Uh, hit the graphic. All right. So the first daily dumbass, uh, if y'all aren't keeping up with the right wing news cycle, is uh, Joe Biden's legs for jump starting this news cycle. Hit play, Matt, in that first clip. I like the salute there. That's the best. Now, who among us has not tripped going up some stairs or like uh, you ever trip over a sidewalk and fake like you're running for like three seconds or, uh, you know, uh, you like you did like you go the wrong way and actually you got a text message to turn around and go the other direction or something. We've all been there. Could happen to anybody, but also Joe's 77 and there's a right wing meme that uh, he's, uh, you know, uh, disabled basically. And uh, Kamala Harris or whoever, Bernie Sanders or AOC is running a puppet shadow government or maybe Trump if he's a robot or whatever. Uh, so anyway, so that that happened and it went viral. A bunch of uh, uh, right wing people retweeted it and uh, tried to make a story out of it. And it did become a story because everything does when you got to fill time uh, in the hell we currently live in. Um, so then uh, the right wing media caught on to it. And then what came next was a whole fucking three day news cycle. Uh, let's see that. <laughs> I guess let's see the uh, the Pisaki, the Gensaki uh, video on that. That he uh, fell going up the steps to Air Force One on Friday. Is he doing okay? He's a hundred percent fine. I don't know if you've been up those steps. They're a little tricky sometimes. But he's, <laughs> not he's on Air doing Force great. One. I've not been up those. Um, uh, then did he see a doctor? Did he have to see a doctor over it? Um, I'm not aware of that being required. There's, of course, a doctor who travels with the president, any president of the United States, but um, I, I'm not aware of it needing uh, actual extensive. All right, so uh, that should be the end of it, right? That should be the end of it. Uh, a guy tripped going up some stairs like human beings do and was asked if he should go to a doctor for it, which um, God help us if we all start going to the doctor for that shit, what our co-pays will be. Uh, so, but then uh, you think that would be the end of it? Nope, 
Fox News got a hold of it. And uh, then uh, uh, Hannity's basically been doing wall-to-wall on it every night. So let's see the first. Uh, if we had Steve Ducey, who's the White House correspondent, who I believe is the one asking those questions about that. So let's hear this. Let's see what Hannity. He's supposed to really believe that the wind might have blown Joe over? Is that is that the official position of the White House? That is. And today, Jen Psaki did not exactly uh, directly answer a question about whether or not he ever wound up being seen by a doctor. We did not see him at all today. They did uh, tell us early about one o'clock that he was not going to have any in-person events throughout the course of the day. But we did see him yesterday and he was striding off. Marine went into the White House without any aid or any kind of a boot on his foot or on his hand. And so uh, they say that he is 100 percent OK. Yeah, so uh, it gives me relieved that Steve Ducey, uh, Pete Ducey, Rome Ducey, I don't know if they're brothers, the one that was on Fox News, uh, the morning show, I should probably look that up eventually. But uh, so he, he's informed you that he did not have a boot on his hand. Oh, it's his son. Okay, Matt's saying. Hell of a family. Uh, Joe Biden did not have a boot on his hand. So that's how we know he's all right. He's walking without aid after the disastrous fall up the stairs uh, for half a second. And then uh, in case, just to bring this full circle about how unfair they thought the media was to Trump because everybody on Twitter made fun of him that one time that he waddled down the ramp in the rain. Uh, Panity did half an hour on the ramp, including this little segment here. To the ramp that Trump used while speaking at West Point and the commencement ceremony in June of 2020. It was the only time President Trump walked slowly in dress shoes because it was slippery and he had those shoes on. So he was being smart. And no other time did President Trump have any issue. Uh, I'm trying to imagine what would happen if, like, North Korea and uh, state television had, like, a rival channel. What they had the, the, the rebuttal they have to do if, like, somebody ran a segment making fun of Kim Jong-un for being, uh, you know, 20, 30 pounds overweight or whatever. And then they would have to come back and, uh, you know, do a whole night on how actually Kim Jong-un is super ripped. Uh, that's basically what Fox News is doing now. I don't care about the ramp. I don't know anybody actually fucking cared about the ramp. It was just funny. And that's how this shit works. It's going to be uh, meme for four years. Joe Biden is a toddling uh, CNL little fool. I don't know. I don't know him. Does it affect your life? I don't know. Trey is rebooting, and uh, he's going to be back in two minutes. Um, so let's go on to the first honorable mention, Daily Dumbass. I think we only have one tonight. Uh, this one, just to put a button on the whole Kraken lawsuit. Sydney Powell, um, so <laughs> she got hit with a $1.3 billion defamation suit. I don't know I don't, I don't know how they uh, defamation, I don't think I arrived at that number, but uh, uh Dominion hit a bunch of people with $1.3 billion suits. They must have wrapped the number somehow. Now, uh, Sidney Powell filed her first response brief, and uh, she's going to get off scot-free, guys, because this is an airtight uh, explanation. Go ahead and play that clip now. It's official. Sidney Powell is a massive fraud. That's according to Sidney Powell herself. Similarly, the whole election fraud narrative, that too is a complete fiction, a complete fraud. That also according to Sidney Powell. Yeah, so her uh, explanation is that uh, she's, should, she shouldn't be here with a defamation suit because nothing she ever said could have ever been taken seriously by a reasonable person. Now, I am not a lawyer, but conceding that you knew what you said was untrue the whole time seems to be a pretty uh, shitty defense <laughs> to slandering somebody and costing them their whole fucking business. Yeah, I don't know. Um, so Trey's me back in just a second, hopefully, so I have somebody to talk to because this is a, this has got to be, yeah. It was no, but it's no, it's it's the opposite of the shaggy defense. It was me, but I had no idea the person I was having sex with wasn't you. Isn't that closer to the truth? I don't know. I'm suddenly having a lot of respect for those like right-wing YouTubers with like three hours talking to a camera. Yeah, Tucker Car yeah, Tucker Carlson did that uh, defense too. That like he said he should not be taken seriously as a newscaster. Cindy Powell's problem is um she was saying this shit in court, uh, and then trying to get an election overturned. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I don't know what what the profit is. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, yeah, Justin is the exact same defense. I don't know what the profit is for devoting machines in general, but I feel like Dominion's going to make way more money uh, crushing these assholes into the ground than they ever made off making voting machines, which seems like a low margin kind of business. Um, so what I got to do here is get into uh, the voting machine business, make a couple, 
get involved in a close election. Uh, have somebody say a bunch of bad shit about me and then cash out, baby, play some Hawaii, get my own weed strain going like Seth Rogen did. All right. So <laughs> our first story tonight is plugging ahead. If Trey ever uh, figures out how to get back on the Internet. Um, so we've talked a lot about cancel culture lately, and it's annoying to me because it's not that I think it's real. It's that to me, the real victims of it are, often, are regular people who lose their jobs over some innocuous tweet. And you never hear about them. Who You hear about is famous people who lose millions of dollars and the people you also don't hear about. For example, are regular people who end up tossed in jail for some shit they said, which happens fairly often. And they want to make this formal now. A Kentucky has proposed a state law called, um, it's SB 21, I think, or 221. Uh, hit that clip, Matt. Let's explain it. Named the Community and First Responder Protection Act, SB 211 would discourage out-of-state agitators from inciting riots in Kentucky. It was passed by a 22 to 11 vote just two days before the anniversary of Breonna Taylor's death. It's the most sickening thing I've ever, I mean, it doesn't shock me, honestly, being in Kentucky. The bill would make it a crime to insult or taunt police during a riot, resulting up to three months in prison. I know this new law of not saying nothing to police, I'm going to jail because my mouth is. <laughs> I sent that clip to Trey and he asked Hallie how to get his mama on the television news because that's great. Uh, if you don't know much about Trey's mom, that's uh, pretty close to accurate. Uh, so, yeah, they're trying to make it illegal to be mean to a cop. You can't hurt a cop's feelings. Which, uh, one, there's already been court cases about this because police have arrested people for being mean to them before. And the Supreme Court has actually held that it's actually totally legal to say fuck you to a cop because what is the First Amendment for if it's not to tell actual government officials to go to hell? When you see people walking around with a Gazan flag saying don't tread on me, I don't know what they think that's for or what the First Amendment is for. Like, it's not just for pornography. <laughs> pornography is like... Like you think of the free speech as like a core principle and then extraneous concepts that get taken into it to make sure like the core principle doesn't get violated. Right. I don't think it'll survive. But who knows with the Supreme Court, man, with, with this with the, all the Trump judges that got passed, they're going to do so much horse shit that uh, eventually get overturned. If soon we don't descend into fascism. But the um, uh, I don't I, it's like you. If you think of it like free speech is like a bubble, like with the, the center of its political speech. And then we, we so you include stuff like porn and music and stuff on the uh, off chance you actually throw out some free speech by accident, some political speech. They want to just go ahead and go straight to free speech, which is like uh, you can keep the porn, but not the pol uh, politics advocacy, I guess. So Trey's back, guys. The reason we're all here. Hey, buddy. Uh, can, you, can you hear me? Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Mike's giving me some encouragement. Oh, my God. <laughs> I know. I, so. Ugh. All right, I know it's literally always something with this show, and I'm so sorry. That's what like we we yeah, we'll do a live show. That'll be fun, and it's all like it. Any so I've been my internet has been out for the past 36 hours up until about two o'clock today, and I was like, it's not going to work. And then, uh, and then they got it back on. I was like, oh great, the internet's back on, everything's fine. And then, literally, I'm not exaggerating. Right in the middle of that there was what sounded like an explosion in my neighborhood. And right at the same time, the power went completely out. Wi-Fi, computer, everything just shut off. And then it came right back on and it's been rebooting this whole time. And here I am. And I'm so sorry. And I apologize. Tell me where you got to Mark. You're such a champion. I know you've been doing such a good <laughs> job. Mike, Mike told me you've been doing such a good job. So uh, yeah. where, where are we at? I'm sorry. No, don't be sorry at all, man. We got through it. Uh, we so we got through the dumbasses, and we just we just started the top of the cop story, the the, the cop cop cancel culture story, and we just saw the clip of your your mama on the news. So oh, that yes. was cool. Yes, that was my mama. I hate I hate my I hate I missed my mama's appearance uh, on the skews here, uh, uh -huh. but yes, no, that lady uh, honestly warmed my heart so much in the middle of that uh, in the middle of that news segment because I didn't I didn't see that coming I don't know about you no I, I, I thought <laughs> yeah I thought she was going the other way on that said I'm, I'm going I'm going I said I'm, I'm going jail my mouth is bad I think this <laughs> right what's well, funny because I mean I did too yeah. it's fun, like because I I'll get upset at people uh, stereotyping me but then I also it's when she popped up in the middle of that and she's like I won't say something about this this new cop bill or whatever, I even me, even though it's my whole thing, I wasn't expecting the next part of it to be <laughs> my ass is going to jail <laughs> if that's how it's yeah. going to be because I'm not because my mouth bad. 
they did uh the bill did we, the bill has suffered some sort of setback procedural or something maybe they realized it was a bad idea considering how many of these guys are involved in domestic disputes uh that they could end up with a cop in their yard taking them to jail for just saying swear words but uh yeah it, it it's pretty the, the, the penalties for this bill like okay the, the, the actual language says it's it could result in three months imprisonment for a person who quote accosts insults taunts so taunts you can't even like dangle a donut on a string or something know what that means or challenge the law enforcement officer with advice uh, offensive or derisive words makes gestures so I'm assuming they mean a middle finger, but also what if you do a sarcastic okay symbol or a thumbs up? I guess that could be construed as a violation. Uh, you could also uh, hit with the uh, misdemeanor charge, the $250 fine, and be disqualified from public assistance benefits for three months, which I'm assuming they think is the real hammer because everyone who protests cops is obviously on fucking welfare and food stamps. That's how their brains work. Right. Well, isn't, the, isn't this just like a version of like sort of when they do the uh, – curfews or whatever whenever uh protests yeah. and things are going on meaning like this is literally just intended to give them a reason Pretext. or an excuse yeah. or an ability to take somebody to jail so when they make a curfew five o'clock and if you're out after five o'clock you're breaking the law that's just to give them a way to to lock you up and that's what this is aimed at yeah eight o'clock curfew is like we we, we screwed up and killed somebody so everybody else has to go to bed by eight o'clock or nine o'clock without supper or whatever uh yeah so but they, they, so when you when they talk about dr seuss and all this shit it's important to remember they're just trying to like it's it's an okie doke because they can set up a both sides thing right so you can actually complain about actual violations of free speech i'm not saying there there's no like liberal leftist version of this but what they're talking about is like they, they literally criminalize criminalize actual political speech like this is this is some shit the the attorney general of arkansas is pursuing um she's proposing <laughs> Two different bills. The first is the Star Spangled Banner Act that will require each public school to play the Star Spangled Banner at the start of school sanctioned sporting events. Which most places, this is Arkansas. Who's not? I mean, they're all doing it anyway. Like, I, it, who cares? Um, right. And the second one is a, the Moment of Silence Act. It changes Arkansas law requiring a moment of silence in Arkansas schools to also mandate a moment of silence after the Pledge of Allegiance during the start of the school day. So not only do you have to do a, a oath to the state, like it's weird right. in America we don't think of these things. Like if you read about North Korea or Nazi Germany doing this right. shit, be like, wow, it's creepy to do a loyalty oath right. to the state uh, before make school children do it before class. But uh, we just, we, I mean, it's 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 fine. Kids can do the pledge of allegiance. I don't really care. But like, if you don't do it, what happens? You know, that's the real thing. Is like kids are going to get if you're Jehovah's Witness or if you just don't want to do it, you don't feel like it. Maybe you're too stoned or tired or whatever you worked on. You had, a, you had your bag and groceries job all night. Uh, you don't want to stand up for the pledge of the national anthem. You're going to get in trouble. So, yeah, it's uh right. Like you said, it's one of those things that like, because pretty much all of us at this point grew up doing it, you know, and mm. when you're a kid, you don't understand any of this shit. So like, you don't think twice about it. And because you do it your whole life growing up, you kind of never think twice about it. But if as an adult, you look back on it or try to remove yourself from it and look at it objectively, like you said, it's some like North Korea or 1984 type stuff. I mean, it's really, I think if you like really look at it objectively and an image of young school children, all standing in the same pose and like, reciting robotically <laughs> this literal pledge of allegiance it's fucking weird when you really yeah. think about it and now adding in a moment of silence after that ends for whatever reason and she's got both these things going at once but this is another one of those things where like they just you got to there i think i feel like that's what happens with uh a lot of these state level propositions a lot of times is uh yeah it's, pe it's people trying to find a way to to just make a splash you know so they just make some shit up yeah she wants to go viral so she can be more famous and maybe run for governor instead of just being ag one day but like it's a but it's so weird like we we don't think about ourselves we think of ourselves different from other countries right like there was a clip that went viral it was a bunch of kids it was like some chinese school children reciting a pledge the, whatever the chinese version of the pledge of allegiance is and they were like you know how the, how Americans think of Chinese people as like automatons in service to the state or whatever. They're standing in like single file rows, hand hand do whatever their 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 pose is, reciting the Pledge of Allegiance. And conservatives are talking about how creepy it is. It's like it's the exact same thing we do. It's the exact same goddamn thing. I don't see uh, really understand what the big deal is. 
yeah, but all this stuff is just like it, 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 I find it moderately. Um, I don't know if frightening is too strong of a word for it, but that we just think of ourselves in a different category. But we do have like, somebody made this point. I never thought about it this way. But like we we kind of think of like human sacrifice as being like a pagan thing that we stopped doing when the real religions like Christianity and uh, came along. But if like if Christians never did human sacrifice, then what is the Spanish Inquisition? What were the Salem witch trials? Right. right. We think of those as a different category of thing. So yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Well, all right. So speaking of lawmakers making things up out of thin air, uh, seemingly to uh-huh. you know push their agenda or make some kind of splash. Immigration is a hugely uh, hot button topic right now in the news cycle, right? Where mm-hmm. literally, where did that? At what point did this start, Mark? Like somebody has to, at a certain point, say this is about to be the thing now, right? Like that decision yeah. has to be made by somebody somewhere. So what? What happened? Yeah. So uh, all of a sudden, so like the right wing media was warming up for it last week, right? And uh, um, there's been a bunch of like advocacy from like like interest groups, like Fair, which is an anti-immigration group, which is classified as a hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center. Uh, which the Southern Poverty Law Center can maybe a little quick on the trigger with those designations, but they, they suck. I'll at least say they suck. They're they're not nice people. Um, and uh, uh, like Fox News and uh, the Heritage Foundation, they were, they've been warming up for this. But all of a sudden on Sunday, the Washington Post front page story was about Biden's political uh, immigration crisis as a, as a political disaster. All three Sunday shows just spent wall to wall on it. ABC flew their people down to the border to see them sitting at the bottom of the border tray just on yeah. four socially distant desks i don't know what that adds to the uh, to, to their knowledge about the situation right Nothing. it's like espn game day you know like yeah they go, yeah when alabama's playing old miss or whatever they go to tuscaloosa and set up because that's that's the side of the action that's where you got to be <laughs> but it's just them yeah. sitting in the desert in front of a fence <laughs> yeah no apparent reason there a, there's a few basic problems with this narrative. One, um, to start the, the obvious one, Biden's only president in two months, right? Uh, two, um, immigration comes in waves and spikes, and it, tend, it tends to be uh, big around March for whatever reason. Um, I, 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 there's probably tons of reasons that are, I, I just don't know what they are. You think Three, it's the weather? Like, or do you think part of it is the weather? Meaning like... Yeah. You know, winter is over, although I know winter is a very different thing down there, but... I mean, if yeah. it happens in March every year, there's got to be some reason for it. Yeah, I think it's like a, yeah, some Matt micro- says yes, it's the weather migration cycles. So yeah, and also like like actual uh, uh, illegal border cross, undocumented border crossings or whatever are like twenty five percent what they were in the early two thousand. So like when you def- when you define something as a crisis, one article is like, well, crisis compared to what and when? Like what do you, what, what is the crisis relative to? Because they keep using like it's not even as bad as it was under Trump in twenty nineteen, right? And so, like, the, 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 who decides this is a crisis and why? Why they all said to buy? I mean, I know why. It's because uh, Democrats got a big win with the COVID bill, and they got to find an issue where the, right. the, 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 the the where it's a fair fight, right? So they can treat, they can act like it's like two big teams are going head to head again on a real contentious issue. But they have to like they have to heighten this to be like like one number I saw. Like, there's a couple different things going on at the border, right? And they, they get mashed up in different categories. Like undocumented border crossings are in one. Who's actually in the in, in the camps? Like the, the 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 kids in cages and shit like that. Those are people that are that are here legally. They walked into a border station legally requested asylum, and they're being held in these camps while they're being processed while their claims are evaluated. Right. So like those those are not here. People are not here illegally or undocumented. They literally did what they're legally supposed to do. Which is the wrinkle in this problem is like our government can't decide what to do with these people who follow the legal process. Who are just they're just way more of them than there have been before, for a lot of reasons because of uh, economic collapse, because of COVID, because of MS thirteen, because of like shitty weather and droughts and the lack of food and all, and uh, political catastrophes and all the shit like that, that we're also involved in South America. By the way, a lot of this stuff has to do with American uh, chicanery, right? Um, yeah, uh, so that you know, not only is this seemingly like just sort of come up out of nowhere it appears is like a you know matter of political theater recently like we were just talking about um there's also been a lot of reports that have come out recently that seem to indicate that uh the border patrol itself as an entity is contributing significantly to these narratives meaning it's not 
It's not apolitical. There's a lot of a lot of uh, things that point towards this being kind of a built up narrative. Also, the fact, like you said, Biden's only been the president for a couple of months. There's also a lot of reports that inside the Border Patrol, they were basically given carte blanche by the Trump administration. And a lot of the higher up people that are still there at this point in time aren't operating any differently, despite the fact that, you know, the Biden administration is directing them to do so. So they're kind of like almost going rogue, but they're also doing a lot of this, um, you know, setting the scene for a lot of this stuff, fudging the numbers and doing things like that. Right. Yeah. There, there was a, a post that went viral from a former border patrol agent. Um, and she was describing how this works and things they can do for one, like under, under George W. Bush, apparently one thing they started to do was tracking quote getaways because the, the numbers of like detentions were down. Like the people they caught crossing the border were down. Right. So to justify their funding, they start inventing people who got away to jack up the numbers to make, to, to make it look right. like they were being overrun and overwhelmed. And there's no way to fact check how many people they, they tried to catch and didn't. Right. right because they, they just, yeah, they were telling them they were instructing the agents they would give them a certain point, like the first gas station over the border or whatever. Yeah. If they if they get beyond that point, you stop pursuing them right then. And then mm-hmm. you report roughly thereabouts how many people you saw get away. So it's just yeah. a guesstimate that they made based on what they saw with their eyes after they reach this arbitrary, you know, end point of the pursuit. So it's just built to... Yeah inflate the numbers of runaway immigrants pretty much and it's a great scam because you literally you don't do any work and you get more funding to pay you overtime to (laughs) not have done that work it's fucking great (laughs) and you get to be political heroes and and try to sway elections to people who then treat you as patrons and up your budget anyway um and so they do shit like that another thing they do apparently is um the 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 applications for asylum for asylum they will slow walk those and drag the process out. And what they're trying right. to do is make the person so miserable, they will accept a voluntary deportation to go back home instead of waiting for their asylum claim to be heard. So pretty evil shit. Um, but they're not, they're not, they're not like non-political actors. I mean, no law enforcement is, but let's like, let's just be honest about this. They have an agenda. They have a side. And uh, Matt pointed this out. Uh, the Border Patrol Unions uh, has a podcast, which is produced by, you want to guess, Trey? Breitbart. Right. There uh, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, yeah, the, yeah. The union, the Border Patrol Union, I believe, had never officially endorsed any political candidate before 2016. At which point, they endorsed Trump and are pretty baldly yeah. hyper conservative uh, in their leanings. So that also has a huge amount to do with this. Like I've, I've never been, I've never been uh, much of a um, um, much of a boss. But it doesn't really matter the politics of this. If I was the, if I was the president of the United States and the law enforcement agency was going rogue and not listening to my directives, I feel right. like I'd have to clean house. Like, right. right? I mean, that's dangerous. If the Pentagon right. was doing this, we'd call it a coup. Right. Yeah, exactly. So what I don't know is that like maybe it's too early in this, you know, brand new crisis that's cropped up to see how they're actually going to respond to it. But, yeah, that's what you got to do. Right. You have to. Yeah. You got to go in there and make changes. Heads got to roll when shit like this is going on. I wanted to talk about the CNN thing because it's pretty classically terrible. But do you want to bring in uh, Ileana first or do you want to go through this real quick first? Yeah, sure. No, let's do it. Let's get to uh, let's get to our guest tonight. Ileana Mm -hmm. Santillan. She is a native of Mexico City who has been organizing in North Carolina for over 16 years. She started her career as an educator educator in Sanford, North Carolina, where she developed a passion for working with youth and elevating the voices of Latinx folks throughout the state. Currently, she serves as the executive director of El Pueblo and Fortaleza. In her role, she seeks to empower rural communities, elevate Latinx leadership, and increase civic engagement across the state of North Carolina. We're very pleased to have join us, Ileana Santian. Ileana, are you there? I am here. Thank y'all so much. Super excited about this. Huge fan. So thank you for the opportunity to be here with y'all today. Oh, well, thank you for joining us. First of all, I, because, you know, people have been following us for a while know that I'm, I don't say words good a lot of time. Am I saying your name right? Is that okay? Yeah, that's that, fine. Is that good? <laughs> that sounds <laughs> yeah, like close fine. enough, Trey, but not right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So, Ileana, actually, let's um, 
let's let's start by watching this clip that Mark's talking about and then get your feedback on it and kind of talk about the issue at large from there. But go ahead and set this up, Mark, the CNN thing. All right, so CNN went to the border and uh, spontaneously stumbled on these people crossing the river, apparently led by a um, AI coyote. Now, a lot of things immediately fell apart about this story, but let's show, let's show a few seconds of it first so you get the vibe of what we're talking about. Yeah, Matt's, Matt's working on bringing it up right now. Um, okay, that's it. As the sun sets on the Rio Grande, our boat winds its way through the deep bends of the river that separates Texas from Mexico near the town of Hidalgo. That's when we stumble across a group of migrants loading into a raft. No, amigos. Hey. No, no, enemigo. No, no, we're good. Our group eases the tension. A few men appear to lead the raft full of parents and young children to the U.S. side. The Rio Grande Valley has been ground zero of the latest surge of migration. And here you see the operation unfolding right in front of us. ¿De dónde vienen? After the first raft crosses the river, the magnitude of this moment reveals itself. Dozens of migrants emerge and walk down to the river's edge. All right. Okay. So right place, right time for a news crew, Mark, or what, what happened here? Uh, so, uh, so a few things that people noticed about this almost immediately. Uh, the smuggler was wearing a mask, which they would want to blend in with the migrants so they get caught. The officials don't know who the who the smuggler is, therefore they don't get like in actual real trouble. Uh, they typically don't provide face masks and life vests, nor do they ferry six boatloads of people back and forth like they're doing the Dunkirk extraction in broad daylight. Uh, the last thing, uh, like the guy wearing the mask is a pretty obvious tell these are new is going to be caught on camera. And the last thing was that this uh, part of the river, it can only be accessed by a boat slips belonging to the Customs and Border Patrol. So, right. they got took. So, so, <laughs> so Ileana, somebody's you know, worked in this general field for a very long time. How do you feel generally about this subject as it has, uh, you know, came out this week and what's going on what's your overall take on what's going on here yeah well first of all like i mean to me as a parent as a person who um you know came here at, at the age of 12 it's heartbreaking to see the families and you hear the children talking and i mean i just can't help but to think of like the risk that they're taking right how many people have drowned in those rivers how many people have lost their lives seeking um, a better life. When I came to this country, we had $50 for names. Um, you know, it was my mom, my brother and I, and I just, you know, I feel like the human aspect of it, like how can we sit here and look at this and still think through, um, you know, anti-immigrant legislation, um, you know, how many of those children are now, um, you know, DACA recipients who have given so much to this country and yet still they have no pathway to citizenship. So it's really, really heartbreaking to see, um, you know, that the situation is still like that and you know again you know you just look at the images and it's just really really um disheartening to see what's happening at the border right so a lot of your work focuses on trying to ensure that these communities are able to control their own stories because we're seeing the media narrative of this right now and so if that actually was allowed to happen in this country more regularly if these people were able to control their own stories and narratives how do you think the public conversation around immigration uh would look in that reality I mean, I think it would change. I think people would see um, the common ground, right? So a lot of these families are seeking better opportunities. Like how many American people move, you know, to different states to find these opportunities? The, you know, people seek these um, opportunities. And I think that they would see that it's not foreign. I think that when we let the media control the narratives, uh, they focus on, oh, you know, like they're, you know, what, what Trump said years ago, criminals, rapists, when that's not their reality. And they're just painting this really negative picture that is untrue. 
And then the other part is that, you know, oftentimes they dehumanize us so much to the point where we're just um, um, like there's uh, dollar signs, uh, you know, in front of our faces. We're like, oh, you know, the immigrants contribute X, Y, Z in, you know, the fields, like the, the provide food. But like they forget that we're humans, too, that we have lives, that we have families, that we're just trying to do what any normal person would try to do in order to improve the lives of themselves, their community. So I think that if uh, the community got the opportunity to really voice out, um, you know, what their reality is, it was it would be very, very different. And again, you know, I hate that sometimes, you know, even in our line of work, when we talk to, um, you know, Republican folks, we have to always think about the monetary contributions where like, you don't have to be the quote unquote, perfect immigrant to deserve humanness, to deserve right. to be yeah, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. I was just agreeing with you. You're right. It's like, it's sort of, it kind of reminds me of how, like, when there's instances of police brutality and after the fact, they, they start talking about how, well, you know, well, he had warrants or he, he had done this or he had done that or whatever. And it's like, well, that, and so you're telling me that deserved a death sentence? Like, that is the appropriate response to, you know, committing a misdemeanor or whatever what does that have to do with what we're talking about here and i do think you're right that it, it, immigrants get treated kind of in that same way where it's like if you're not the perfect model immigrant whatever that even means then you deserve to be separated from your family or have your kids locked up in cages or, or whatever and that's just nonsense yeah, we see the double criminalization of our communities here. Right now, we're fighting um, Bill SB 101 that seeks to um, make sure that uh, local law enforcement is collaborating with ICE. So when they draft these bills, they're like, oh, we would only be, you know, uh, eliminating the bad ones or whatever. When reality, like when you have um, immigration collaborate with uh, local law enforcement, you're to your point, you know, doubly criminalizing community members. I, you know, my background is in teaching. And once I left teaching and I started organizing, um, you know, I would get I can I will never remember this call of one of my students and their mom crying because their dad was in the process of deportation for fishing without a license. Right. right. So oh, God. Like right. it was this, you know, no criminal background of any sort. Um, and this person was just taken to jail because of they were fishing without a license process of deportation. And right now we're battling um, that bill because what happened was that a lot of sheriffs in the urban areas, of course, so Charlotte, Raleigh, were like, we're not doing this ICE thing. We're not going to uh, do the 287G agreement. So then our local legislature was like, oh, y'all think that's cute. We're not going to do that. So now they want to implement it statewide, which is something that, you know, it's very unique to North Carolina. We have, you know, North Carolina voted for Trump. We have a Democratic governor. The lieutenant governor is uh, Republican. And it's just like a huge mess. But we're constantly, um, every long session, we're fighting anywhere from 10 to 15 anti-immigrant bills around police um, and collaboration with ICE, E-Verify. Uh, this state doesn't have driver's licenses. We don't have in-state tuition for undocumented folks. So you think about the many, many young people who are you know, brilliant and want to further their education, but they have to pay twice or three times as much as anybody else, which is just crazy. There was a, I saw a story today. It was the list of people that got turned, like like actual anecdotes or human stories. People got turned away at the border, and a bunch of the a bunch of the unaccompanied minors uh, at the border. The parents are already here legally. They've come ahead. They've gotten asylum. They've gotten jobs. They've established lives, and their kids are coming behind them to try to you know be a family again. There's one kid. His mom is, is, is like a waitress in Ohio, and he like they, this ten year old kid because of the COVID. Uh, what do they call him? Like. They, whatever the order was, a public health order about everybody getting deported because of uh, COVID, they sent a 10-year-old kid back to Guatemala where he lives by himself. Just like that's that's like a completely inhuman thing that no one would no one would make that choice individually. But when you come to, when you make it bureaucratically, it somehow seems okay. Like it's not something anyone would like. You're you're essentially deputizing someone at border patrol or immigration. To, to do an evil act and you're acting like it's not because it's shuffling paperwork. It's very weird to me. Yeah, we have a lot of mixed families, uh, mixed status families. And, you know, you think about the separation of children and like, you know, I'm a parent. I'm sure y'all have seen those videos of when the kids actually get reunited. Um, You know, the, the trauma for the children. And then not only that, I think that's like an extreme here in North Carolina. We have children, we have families 
And, you know, my background is in education and my kids, every time we rode the bus together or we were, you know, going somewhere, they were so fearful of going back home because they thought that maybe one day they wouldn't see their parents. And you think about how that impacts you and how that affects you as a young child to think that someday you're going to come home and your parents are not going to be there. You know, you think about like every time there's like a, a you know, like a, a checkpoint or there's a police officer behind you and you have to think about, you know, if your parents are going to come home, if they're going to get arrested, if they're going to get deported and the emotional toll and pain, it's just something that I think is unbearable. Yeah, for sure. I have, I've got two little boys too. And I'm always like any issue that involves children at all. I just can't, uh, I can't stomach anything that I feel like harms children which like you wouldn't think that'd be a hot take you know what i mean but it because it, it, it happens in this country too domestically with things like food stamps or welfare programs where you got schools who like if their parents don't pay the right amount then the kid has to eat like a slice of loaf bread instead of the actual school lunch because their parents didn't pay for it and things like that and you have people saying like well you know you don't pay this is what happens and i just I can't handle stuff like that. And I felt the same, I feel the same way about these immigration conversations. You know, like I don't care. I don't care what any kids parents did or did not do. It's irrelevant to me in terms of whether or not they should be in a cage, you know, or, or separated from their family and treated in this way. And I find it so wild that people, that this is apparently like, hugely debatable among among a big chunk of the american populace and also a lot of that chunk are the think about the children crowd right they're the pro-life think won't someone think about the children crowd so how do you you know how do you reckon not reconcile that but how do you feel in response to that whole aspect of it that hypocrisy I mean, it's just to me, like exactly what you said, it's, it's hypocrisy. How can we have people who are like, you know, pro-life, but then they're okay with putting, you know, children in cages. They're okay with, um, you know, here in North Carolina, they have legislation that's like, oh, if the parent is undocumented, they don't want to give, uh, you know, benefits like food stamps or anything like that. So it seems very, very hypocritical. And then the other thing too, that I've been, you know, thinking a lot about, because when I moved here, I, that was back in the 90s. I'm like 37, about to be 38. And I cannot help but to think, about the parents, right? So there's initiatives for DACA, there's initiatives for, um, you know, all these things to protect the children to, you know, the the, the brightest, the, the whoever, the perfect ones who will go to college and do all this. But then we don't think about the parents who like day in and day out, you know, I, they're mowing our lawns, they're building the houses that we live in, they're taking care of our children. And we never think about what I call the OGs. To me, they're the original <laughs> gangsters who like decided to risk everything to come here. Here. And these folks are aging out, you know, like there's no system for them to have any type of, um, you know, financial uh, resources for when they're old and they cannot work. So to me, that's very worrisome. And I see, you know, we had DACA and that was a huge thing. We had DAPA. Unfortunately, that didn't come through. But I'm really, really hopeful that the current administration really thinks through um, how can they think about the whole family unit. And again, you know, stop thinking about the dollar sign that we have in front of us because of what we can produce. But to really think of us as humans and as people who contributed to the state, I know so many young folks who like think like, you know, damn, if I get deported, if my DACA doesn't get renewed, I was in Mexico when I was one. I don't even speak fluent Spanish. Like, how right. are we going to live? And it just breaks my heart to think about scenarios such, such as that one. Uh, Matt, Matt pointed out in the, in the chat that Jeb Bush said that uh, uh, crossing the border is an act of love. Um, of course, he was run out of Republican politics for saying that, but he's not wrong. And there's nothing more American than trying to like give your kids a better life by sacrificing your own stability in your own home. That's literally what everybody came here to. It's like also like yeah. this conception of a border. I mean, I understand that every country is going to have a border and every building or club or whatever uh, that's ever existed is trying to keep track of who's in it, and who's not. And I understand that. But also like there's never been solid borders. A solid border looks something like the Berlin Wall. Like they... Like in the early 20th century before that, like you just showed up and you were American. Nobody counted you. There weren't social security numbers to the 1920s. You just walked into America and you were an American because there was there's nobody there was nobody guarding the beach in, in North Carolina. You just you got off a boat and you're I'm here. You know, it's like it's what it was. Um, 
but like, I mean, it also borders always, also always create black markets. Like anybody that's like, you're in North Carolina, I'm from Virginia. I'm sure you've noticed all the fireworks stores right on the North Carolina border because they're illegal in Virginia, <laughs> right? You got, we used to drive to North Carolina to buy Everclear too, because that's illegal in Virginia. <laughs> so like, like we all, we talk about, we talk about people and drugs coming North, but we don't talk about all the guns we send South, by the way, that are killing a bunch of people in Mexico and South America. Like, it's just like, I don't know. It's just like we do. Americans have a very naive way about how this stuff has always has always worked, or it's always going to work, and they want to idealize some perfect future where where everything works orderly instead of humanely. And it's like sometimes humanely wins out over orderly. So, you know, it's got to. Does that make any? I don't know. I don't know. There's a question there somewhere. Maybe does, does that make sense? <laughs> well, I guess. I would, is what it okay. Is. I'll so I'll ask you because I wanted to ask you this anyway. Like Mark <laughs> said, it's like it's this is the same thing that you know, it's been pointed out a million times because it's true that America was founded on our, all of our and mine and Mark's ancestors did the same thing, left a place seeking a better life for their children and, and, you know, their descendants or whatever. That's how this country became a country in the first place. So why is it so completely different now for these people in the minds of so many Americans? Like, is it literally just straight up racism? Is it an element of, well, you know, we got ours and we're done with that now. You know, we did that, but we're here and we're good and that's over now. So fuck everybody else. Is it a combination of the two? Like what all is going on there? Do you think that leads to that again, hypocrisy? Yeah, I think it's definitely a combination of the two. And I think it's that, you know, I see it more so here um, currently, like they, they see the benefit of keeping us um, oppressed, right? If, you know, more and more people, the, you know, the students were able to get um, in-state tuition, they wouldn't be working at the restaurants, they wouldn't be working at the hotels, they would be moving on up in other different careers, right? So I think it's a, it's a system that benefits a few, right? So it's like, when I came here, you know, blah, 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 it was different, you know, now that they have better lives, and they, a lot of the luxuries that they have are because of the work that we do, right? So farm worker industry, like, damn, you know, you go to any field, and you see like, Latinx people working. You go to um, here in the coast, right? All the fancy hotels, who cleans them? Who is working at the restaurants? I think that they have gotten used to seeing us as lesser than, as people who will, you know, like if they just keep us, you know, with, you know, whatever things that they want to hand us down, that will be okay. So I think it's a matter of selfishness, racism, and then just the fact that they're used to um, you know, doing the systems, right? So that they can benefit. And, you know, meanwhile, the Latinx community here, we, we pay taxes, like we have no retirement funds, no social security. All of that money is only benefiting one group of people and that's not us i was like i also was reading i was reading earlier today and this just stuck with me a lot about like we like we were talking earlier about like when they say it's a crisis a crisis compared to what right because there's a, there's a worldwide refugee crisis happening or people fleeing north for various various reasons and like this step blew my mind one in four people in lebanon is a refugee and if america had that same proportion we'd have 82 million refugees and lebanon is getting by <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? It's like it's it's it, 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 it's it's weird how like we have this. I, I don't know. Well, I don't know if we think America's full because we have a collapsing. It, it's I don't know. It's very weird. We're getting back to the economic arguments to dehumanize people, but also we have a collapsing birth rate and giant economic problems, and we need more people. So it's it's very short sighted in a lot of ways to be this mean to people. And I, I just want to say. People got some pushback in the comments. Matt said, I forgot the Chinese Exclusion Act when I was talking about people just showed up and got to be here. That was not true for the Chinese on the West Coast. And yeah, that was my bad. I forgot that blind spot. Um, yep. So, Ilian, I wanted to ask, uh, first of all, we want to give you an opportunity to talk about your organization and everything. But first, I wanted to ask specifically sort of how you <laughs> feel right now about the Biden administration and their role in all of this as we are discussing it today because you know it's become you know it's a crisis for them it started this week and again they've been there for two months and how, just how do you feel about how the current administration has been handling everything so far what do you think they should or need to do to address all this going forward and just how all that's going in your opinion I mean, I think there's a lot of work to be done I think that you know I am hopeful I mean honestly like at this point, anything is better than Trump. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm glad that we don't have him in office at this time. But I mean, I think about simple things like the stimulus checks, right? So right now, that 
those funds are not reaching undocumented people. And they're the ones who might need it the most. They're the ones risking themselves, risking those lives in these essential job positions. And there's really nothing for them. And I would like to see, um, you know, an actual piece of legislation that not only includes the brightest and the, you know, and the youngest, that includes, you know, the parents, my original OGs who made the decision to come here. I would like to see something that's really um, definitely more inclusive and that um, that moves, right? I think that we oftentimes get like, oh, it passed one chamber and everybody gets excited, but then it goes to the other one and nothing ever happens, right? So I think that it's time for us to push not just the Biden administration, our elected officials at every single level, because again, what we're seeing in North Carolina as people get all hopeful and they're like, well, Biden's in office, but yeah, that's great. But that's not really changing our day-to-day life here in North Carolina. So I think it's a moment for everyone to engage with their elected officials. Like I said, right now at El Pueblo, we're fighting like six anti-immigrant bills right now. And it's like every year and it's by the same people, which just kind of like irks me. We have folks who have been in office for like nine or 10 terms and every single long session, they come up with something stupid um, right now, like I said, uh, and it's hard, right? You know, we're in the middle of COVID and a lot of the people that we work with are directly impacted, right? So I'm blessed because I, this is my job. I get paid to do this and it's incredible, but we want to get into a place where we're able to, um, you know, really work with our communities. There's amazing grassroots groups here in our state. Like they are incredible. They've been doing this work for with no compensation for many, many years. So I think that we're in an opportunity where we can include these grassroots organizations. And, you know, for folks who are interested in learning more about El Pueblo, please visit our website, elpueblo.org. Um, you know, love to get donations. would love to hear back from people. We are, we used to be um, mostly in Wake County. Now we're branching out, we're statewide. And our goal is to engage young people, elder folks, my OGs, and really think through how we affect change and how we, you know, again, take control of our narratives and how we are, you know, instead of having, you know, all these lobbyists go to the General Assembly and, and you know, help us out, it should be us. It should be us, you know, with our voices, with our demands. And again, you know, I think that um, North Carolina is in a very uh, interesting situation with our political climate here locally. And I think it's a moment in time where we should maybe deflect a little bit of the attention of what's going on nationally and work with our municipal uh, you know, elections. And again, you know, the other thing last year, everybody and their moms was registering voters and it was like, oh, my God, we have COVID. Let's register voters. How many voters have we registered this year? Right. So I think we need to think through what's going to happen in 2022. And we shouldn't wait until 2024 to start thinking about how we're going to get our people out to vote and about um, having a variety of candidates that really align with our vision. Preach. Yeah, you said it all. And like the pro you are, you even got into the organization itself without me even having to specifically ask you for it so yeah elpueblo.org everybody if you want to support the cause and um yeah iliana thank you so much for joining us this has been a wonderful conversation we appreciate you bringing uh your experience and expertise to the subject at hand thank you thank you you anytime i'm a huge fan so thank you thank you iliana we appreciate that all right iliana santian everybody again hope i'm saying that right all right so we uh yeah, let's get into the questions and comments, whatever y'all got. And I just want to apologize once again for the universe and what it did to me earlier. Uh, yeah, sorry. I know it's literally something every week. I am so sorry. I feel like it's almost becoming a part of the show at this point. I mean, I guess it's probably been a part of the show for a while now. Uh, but we're it's not it's not that we just don't give a shit. I promise you, we talk about it every week. How we can how we can smooth over the technical issues as they were, and then something like that happens where. What you know, my, like bomb went off and my, my power just cut out and, and here we are. So I'm a, I'm a fan of uh, Jack White, who is uh, not a perfect person, but he can play the shit out of a guitar. And he was talking about production and why like he record, he plays like he keeps a lot of first takes. And it's like because with the pops and cracks and, 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 and you get you, you call them beautiful mistakes. Right. You, you keep those in the track. I don't know if you originated that term. Yeah, this is like this is DIY, man. It's the fuck ups that make it. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you know produ- right when you were saying that, producer Matt sent us a comment that says, "My mom watches it for the wrecks, kind of like NASCAR." So yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's part of the show. It's what we do. What fuck you, up most, a lot. <laughs> your, your most memorable stand up sets, right? Or so, or somebody like a, a table caught fire, or somebody threw something at you, or it was horrible. <laughs> like, those are always the best ones. Those are the ones that you remember. Yeah, we Christine, blame Matt. Yeah, Christine Remick says, we blame Matt, JK, Matt. 
Yeah, no. You remember totally uh, to blame. <laughs> remember Regis and Kelly had Gilman. Like it's like a, a, the Mets are Gilman, I think. So we're gonna. We're gonna oh, is that, that their like? Was that their like? Imagine I don't, I don't, I don't know a lot of Regis and Kelly lore. Oh, I'm not gonna lie to you. Gil- they had like a scapegoat named Gelvin. Gelvin was the floor producer that that uh, Regis used to always rag on and blame for everything. So yeah, okay. we're gonna, yeah, yeah, it's yeah, part of the producer's job. You know what are you gonna do? Uh, Brian G says hilarious country boys who can't internet. It's adorable. Yeah, thank you. You're right. John Orbit Bainbridge says, Trey, you can't blame yourself for a transformer explosion. Blame it on the rain. Yeah, I was actually thinking the wind, because that's the equivalent of rain out here, is when the wind's blowing real hard, which it is today. And I was like, curse this wind. You know, and then in my head, I was like, wind shouldn't make that happen. But, you know, it does. Oh, I wonder shit happens. <laughs> yes, Aaron McC- everybody yeah a lot of people with the uh similar takes and they are correct aaron mccullough says consistent technical glitches are very on brand for some white trash people trying to do a thing <laughs> we can't fix it with duct tape eric we're fucked yeah. uh we uh oh i meant to shout out uh, i got a very sweet card from a listener named jamie i owe you a response message uh, jamie i wanted to thank you but we appre- I appreciate it. it was very very kind she made a homemade card with smart mark red and i and said some kind things about uh how we helped her get through some family stuff so that was cool that that's great but did you just say she made a homemade card with smart mark in mind is that what you said Written on it. It said it said smart mark on it. It was very sweet. Oh, it said she, smart she, mark on it. Oh, okay. I thought you said I thought you said she made a homemade card using smart marker. And I was like, nah. Oh yeah, you got your own marker merch now, huh? Yeah. Smart yeah, I markers. got an endorsement deal <laughs> from uh, Sharpies. <sighs> Producer Matt says he didn't get one, must be in the mail. Uh, You're the fuck up, Matt. You fucked up all the you fuck up all the time. Keep your ass in your hole, producer Matt, where you belong. Yeah. Let's make him the Gelvin. I like that idea. Regis, an innovator. (laughs) Um so uh shit. Did y'all so y'all okay. Lisa Guggenheim Deitch Deitch says, I just love skews days. It's hilarious because we hadn't even we hadn't even thought of that. <laughs> no, browser Tuesday. I didn't invite never thank you. You're, yeah. yeah, so thank you for that. Yeah. Tuesday Can we Tuesday. use that? Can we use that? Yeah. Yeah. Skews days. I like it. That's that's uh that's wonderful. Um I Trey, wanted to you've been ask, watching Oh, sorry, go ahead. Uh no, so you covered while I was gone. Were you just on here by yourself the whole time talking to the ether? That's wonderful. Yep. Yep. Good, good on you. I know that's hard. Did you uh did you I never appreciate you more Sydney Powell stuff? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's, Oh, that was something else. I was, uh, I was looking forward to it. It's like the idea that no rational person could have believed that I wasn't being a lunatic. So you yeah. can't blame me for it. You know, that's just how it works. It's also, it's a, it's a, it's a double funny hustle because um, Dominion's problem is that, Voters are going to have any faith in the system. Republican voters are going to be faith in their computer systems and Republican politicians are going to sign the contract. So they're saying that, yeah, you're going to lose millions and millions of dollars in business because Republicans are idiots. But that's not my fault. Right. Yeah. <laughs> were you about to ask uh, me if I've been watching college basketball? Yeah. I figured yeah. you were. No, because here's why. And I get this way. I'll come back to it after this week. But I watched the Tennessee Vol, my my beloved Tennessee Vols. I watched their game and it was a bloodletting and it was horrific as that is, that is our custom. We pride ourselves upon that. And uh, we got, yeah, blown out by the, you know, we were five seed, they were 12 seed. And so I have been uh, too mad to watch the rest of it so far. I've been kind of keeping up with it, but I'll get back into it. You know, i got to ease myself into it, but why do you ask Mark? What happened? Uh, we've been talking a lot about women's sports and I thought I wanted, I wanted to see if you've seen the viral clips of, they really set up men's and women's bubbles and the men got all this fancy equipment and gift bags and shit. And the women literally have like a couple of five pound weights and some like, it looks like the remember the fire festival plates, the lunches and bologna and bread set in <laughs> yeah. separate piles. Yeah. yeah. It was like, it was like, like, like there's a, they're all in one place. These aren't spread out in like 32 locations <laughs> or like, like there's going to be tons of video clips of this. You're going to get roasted to death because you're, you can't 
You can't be right. this obvious with it. How do you right? <laughs> how do you not know? Well, first of all, Bradley Hatfield says, "When are you coming to West Virginia, Trey? I need this in real life." Actually, it's a huge uh, mark of shame for me uh, that we have West Virginia is one of the like three three or four states in this country we have not been to on tour, and I don't have a good explanation for it. We've tried multiple times, and it hasn't worked out, but we will figure it out. I'm dying to come to West Virginia, and I'm not just saying that. It's the one of the four that's missing that I want to come to the most. So uh, hopefully soon. But yes, Mark, like like you said, like it blows my mind in today's society that no one realized, apparently, that you can't do that. You know, like you can't just do that and get away with it. Like it will come out. It will be a story. Is it not worth the extra money on cheese and condiments or whatever (laughs) to keep it from being the story? You know, like, is it really worth that to you? How do you miss something like that? And also the whole premise of your scam is that this isn't about money. This is about the uh, uplifting student athletes. Right. So when the whole world is watching, you have to keep up your ruse. Spend a few extra dollars because now you're going to have to pay all the fucking athletes. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Just but, so funny. You know, that, what, that I'm consistently blown away by their inability to foresee the things that will upset people. Um, David C. Nichols says, spectacular skews day. Look, it's catching on already. Look at that. Frozen Trey, Solo Mark, Mattis Gelman, all this and Ileana too. And then we've got some uh, wonderful emojis there. <laughs> Thank you, David. What are those, Mark? I could. It was clapping that. hands and hearts. I think it was clapping hearts hands and, and hearts. Well, we that's what we're all about here at the skews. Clapping hands and hearts. All right, so. Once again, my sincerest apologies. Thank you all for sticking through it. And thank you, Mark and Matt, for uh, keeping things afloat while I fucked around. And thank you all for being here uh, on Week Excuse And we will be back next week on 3.30, March 30th. Yeah, at 5 Pacific. Thank you. Have a good one, guys. Love you. Bye.